0: What I'm going to be teaching on today, for most of y'all in here, it's not going to be anything new, but it's very timely. You hear me? It's something very important that that God has said, we need to press in. We need to press in in this this area. And it's it's going to be in the area of prayer. But prayer is a huge, a huge subject. And so we're not just talking prayer in general. We're not just talking about prayer, uh, praying for awakening, for revival. Um, It's not just... Prayer is in worship and praise to God. It's not just prayer for our city or for our world. It's very specific and strategic at the level of prayer for your church. And if it sojourns your church, that means us. But even on a microcosm from that, prayer for one another of those that you're in the trenches with. Those that specifically that you're in a small group with. And if you're not in a small group of people, um, which we call uh, journey groups. If you're not in one of these, um, then my prayer is even before this day is over that you'd, that you'd say, yes, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in uh, to, a, to a journey group and be in the trenches uh, with, with folks. Um, today is going to be class and lab. Um, there's a section uh, at the end that we are actually going to take what's being taught and practice it. Um, it doesn't do a lot of good if we just get data uh, but we don't get to walk it out. And so uh, well, I'll give you instructions in a little while of how we'll break down into groups uh, according to the journey groups that are scattered around the city, including uh, students. Uh, we'll have a group for them as well. And uh, we'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be praying. Uh, there's two things I'm praying that are going to happen today. So listen, listen up. First is that God will both convict and encourage and strengthen our hearts to pray for one another. Now, the conviction is not condemnation but it's just a kind, sweet crush that God brings to us just to say, here's where you can grow. And I'm the first one to say God is crushing me and saying, God, saying Dave, here's some areas you need to grow in praying for your family and in praying for those that you're walking closely with. Okay, So that good conviction, along with that, it's an encouragement and a strengthening to then press forward in this. Okay, So I don't want, I don't want at the end of the day for you guys to say, man, that was a good sermon. Um, I hope it is because I hope that you hear from Jesus in this. But um, primarily, what I want is, is to see that God encourages and strengthens our heart to pray for one another. And secondly, the other thing is that we will figure out who the few are that we're supposed to pray for and ping daily. And I'll explain that more in just a little while. Um, let's start from, um, start from the big picture of prayer, quickly work down to the focus of praying for one another. Let's pray before we do that, all right? Holy Spirit, once again, uh, I am not able to move anybody toward you, toward community, or toward mission, God. I can't do it. But God, we invite you today. And and I just lean upon you today with great confidence in my heart and peace in my soul. I just say, Holy Spirit, you're going to do a great work in us today, God. And I know, Father, we have some good friends, uh, a lot of folks that are traveling and others that are sick uh, today, and we pray blessings and healing upon them as they travel or as they're being healed, Lord, as they rest. Um, but, Lord, we do pray that you would do a transformative work in us today, God. Convict our hearts, strengthen our hearts, and encourage our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All um, right. John Bunyan, um, one of the great Puritan writers, uh, he wrote this about what prayer is. He says, Prayer is a sincere, sensible, affectionate pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit for such things as God has promised as a, or according to the word for the good of the church with submission in faith to the will of God. And uh, there's, a whole, there's a whole section there. Um, if any of you are interested, man, it would be incredible to study this, um, that it's this, this uh, thing he called a discourse-touching prayer. And then he actually breaks down methodically those things that I just said right there, that it's sincere, it's sensible, it's affectionate, uh, pouring out to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit uh, for the things that God's promised according to the word For the good of the church. And that's really what segues us into where we're going today is. Is that God wants to bring and birth some things for the good of those that you're in the trenches with. um, With submission and faith to the will of God. Guys, there's great news. The great news is that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. And further, Jesus even prays for you. And so as we talk about prayer, let's even start with Jesus as being one of the intercessors for us, um, Hebrews seven, twenty-two to twenty-five says this. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, for, now what we're we're talking about here is as Jesus was being compared to the priests of old, who they would they would bring sacrifices and it would cover over sins. It would make an atonement, but it was temporary. A, atonement means a covering over sin, and so. Uh, there was something that did not last, but that Jesus was the one and the covenant that he made was one that would last. All right, And that, that gives context to what's said next. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since, look at this, he always lives to make intercession them. You guys see that up there? I want you all to, to confess that, confess that with, with me. He always lives to make intercession for them. Say that with me. He always lives to make intercession for them. He's talking about the ones that He came to save back then, which includes us and includes the ones that are in front of us in the future that God will save, that Jesus Christ makes intercession. Jesus prays for you. Now, guys, if there's nothing else that will encourage you today, it's the fact that know that Jesus Christ Himself, not only loves you, Jesus prays for you. Now, that may seem odd. Because it's like, well, He's the one we pray to. Well, He's praying to His Father to you and on behalf of you. Now, we're going to see something in just a, a few minutes of a prayer that Jesus prayed that didn't even come to pass. And it's going to be informative. Because we're to pray even if the prayers don't work. We're to pray even if people don't obey. All right, so we'll get back to it, get to that in just a few minutes. Um, we uh, look to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 as being a model of what church life is for Christians. And there's four devotions that Christians have. Uh, Acts 2, 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to the prayers all right devotion to four things christians had the apostles teaching that's a devotion to the word of god to fellowship now this is a big this is a big statement fellowship this is the word we use community instead of fellowship it's community and fellowship. This is when people share life, when they have a gospel-centered life, when they make their life available to one another, pressing one another into Jesus Christ. That's what fellowship is. It's a big, it's a big word. Breaking of bread, this is a part of what fellowship is. And, and certainly communion was a part of what they did. But but I believe that the big, that what it really meant, when it meant said they were breaking bread together, and meant they were in one another 's homes eating with one another. This is something this is a, a hospitality this is where we we invite not only not only our unbelieving friends into our homes, our neighbors, but in particular, we bring in those that we 're in the trenches with into our homes, and you get invited into their into their homes right I know that among our church we 've got Sorry, guys. We've got different levels of where you are in hospitality, of where you are in going to people's homes or inviting people into your homes. And and what I what just say is, man, just wherever you are, just take that next step. Take the next step of what it means to invite those specifically, fellowship, community, of those that God has said, you're in the trenches with these people. Get them to your kitchen table, all right? We're not going to spend much more time on that because... We really are going to focus in on this last one: the prayers, the prayers, guys. We define Sojourn Church in two different phrases as being Sojourn Gathered and Sojourn Scattered. This right now is Sojourn Gathered. This is the weekly, um, the weekly gathering of of people that are already believers and the invitation of friends that aren't even believers who want to come and to partake and kind of sit at sit at the kitchen table with us as we discuss. Discuss Jesus, and so we come together. They've been doing it for thousands of years. The people of God coming, gathering weekly to worship to worship God, and so that's what we do. And if you apply Acts two forty two, there's two of those four things that we do when we come together. We we get into the Bible and we pray, and but when you look at the breaking of the bread, certainly communion takes place. But as far as fellowship and community. This is only catalytic toward those things. This is something that just kind of spurs on for community to really take place. And that's going to take place not so much in sojourn gathered, but in sojourn scattered. And so Acts 2.42 is a better picture in describing what disciples are supposed to do the other six days six days of the week. Uh, the people that you're in the trenches with. And so again, we're going to focus on this last part today. But just know... That these other the other things, uh, the apostles' teaching, the word of God, community, uh, eating together, and prayer—all these things are like pistons in in a car. If one is not firing, or more more than one is not firing, you may be able to move forward, but you're not going to be very effective or very efficient. You're not going to have much power in your car. Uh, It's going to give you lots of problems because the engine is going to be unhealthy. They're tied together but let's focus in on what it means to pray, but specifically what it means to pray for one another. Ephesians 6.18 says this, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Guys, I teach my kids not to use extreme words, to be careful of saying uh, that someone always does this, or someone never does this, or, or all, or none, or never. You know, using, using those type of words because most of the times it just doesn't fit. You want to be careful when using extreme verbiage. Paul used extreme verbiage in this. He's saying we need to pray at all times, all prayer, all supplication, with all perseverance for all of the saints I just want you to think about that. Paul said we should be doing something all the time. I need a glass of water if somebody can get me uh, something or I'm going to die up here. Thank you. Um, Now, R.A. Torrey, um, he wrote a a book called How to Pray. And he spoke on this verse, uh, this Ephesians 6.18, and he said this. When we stop to weigh the meaning of these words and then note the connection in which they are found, the intelligent child of God is driven to say, listen, I must pray, pray, pray. I must put all my energy and all my heart into prayer and whatever else I do, I must pray. It's extreme. It's saying something needs to change in us. Now, there's there's a few of us here. Few of us in this church, few scattered across the city, that man, God has just called you as an intercessor, and it it doesn't take work for you to pray. You have a gift, and so you just naturally are praying all the time. Matt, thanks, brother. But for many of us, for many of us, this is something that that we just know something needs to change within me. Something needs to be altered. I, I I need, I need something radical to happen in my life, for 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 me to even start getting close to these extremities, to where I'm praying all the time like this. Guys, I want you to know something: God has given you a heart that already desires that. He already has, and so you need to have faith to be faith, and you need to say, God, you have already given me a heart for prayer. I just choose to believe it, and I want to engage into the heart, the new heart that you've given me. Um, I just gave you a, read a little bit from How to Pray by R.A. Torrey. Um, I'll give you guys some, I'll give you guys this list in a little while as well, but for those of you all just, or maybe you're listening to this later on and you're just looking for some resources on prayer, um, let me just stop for just a second and give you some that I've used Um, in preparation for this and just some really good ones as well Um, uh, on prayer. um, By E.M. Bounds, The Essentials of Prayer. By R.A. Torrey, that's T-O-R-R-E-Y, How to Pray. um, By Scotty Smith, Everyday Prayers, and I'll be reading from that in a little while. By Stormy Omardian, uh, three different books. The Power of a Praying Parent, The Power of a Praying Husband, The Power of a Praying Wife. And if you want to go really deep in, in uh, studying, Larry Richards wrote every prayer in the Bible. And then finally, my, one of my favorites that we, we will use from time to time in Sojourn Gather is called the Valley of Vision, and it's these prayers from um, uh, Puritans. So some of those are books of prayers, and then others are teaching of, um, of how to pray. Um, well, let me give you some examples um, of what took place, like, even in the early church. Um, this is right after the ascension of Jesus, so people have not been martyred yet. Uh, it's just—I mean, we're just weeks after Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's already gone. He's already gone up to be in the heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit. Pentecost is taken—is about to take place. Acts one fourteen. All these were with one accord. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers in one accord, in one accord. Now, in general, to be in one accord, it means that you're unified and without division. But also, if you want to talk about in prayer, they were in one accord about prayer. They were in one accord in agreement that prayer for one another was key. Guys, everybody look at me for just a second. Listen. Listen people around you, the people that are in the trenches with you, they need your prayers. You guys over here, listen. The people that are in the trenches with you, they need you to pray for them. Okay? You, you need the people that are in the trenches with you to pray for you. The ones that are around you, you need them to pray for you. The Holy Spirit is telling us, Sojourn, He's telling us that we've got to press into this. I don't know that there's a huge victory and just some some amazing explosion of exciting things that's about to happen that He's wanting to press us into, or there's something really big and bad that's coming. But it it may be a mix of both of those things, because that's how life normally is. But I'm telling you, God is telling us, we must be in consistent prayer for one another. So listen to the voice of the Lord and be obedient. In in and uh, following the Lord in this, um, praying for one another. Um, James four verses two to three, talks about the lack of prayer and wrong hearted prayer. So just check this out and let's unpack this a bit. James four two to three, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Basically, James was telling Christians, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. He said, When you ask, all right, let's stop, start at that second part. When you ask, all right? I mean, there's many times we don't even we don't even pray, all right? That can be you may look on your last month, your last six months, your last year, and just say, you know what, Dave, it's not even that I don't get because I'm asking for the wrong stuff. Man, I just I, I don't pray. I don't pray for myself, I don't pray for others. You know, and so God's going gonna, to gonna have you just step up and just start praying. And there's some of us that God's going to say, all right, yeah, you're praying, but you're praying wrongly because you're only praying for your own shallow things. All right? Um, now, by the way, I mean, it's, it's, sometimes we do pray and we whine, you know, and we, we just ask for the shallow things. And it's okay. It's okay to go to God and pray and to whine. It's okay to go and to complain. It's even okay to ask for shallow things. The problem is when we don't press in more. The problem is is when that's all it is, is we stay right there. If we pray that all we're praying for is the things that, man, this would be the answer and this would be the answer and, and it's so selfish and it's so shallow, it's so cliche in our lives, the things that we're praying for, again, God's the wonder. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. It's good for us to pour out our heart wherever we are, but he wants us to take us from that point to go deeper, to go from praying just from our mind to praying from his heart. And so, so start where you are, pray right where you are, but don't stay there. Don't stay in the place where you're just looking at your own passions, but you pray for the things that God, that God wants says, you don't have because you don't ask. I mean, that's just as plain as it sounds, you guys. It means that there are things in your own life. There's blessings, maybe even protection in your life. Things that don't happen, that should have happened, because you don't pray. Now, God's merciful. Many times He, he, he bridges the gap because He's just so gracious, And he makes up for it a lot of times when we don't pray. Praise be to Jesus that he he bridges that gap. But he doesn't always. There are things, the the word is telling us, there are things missing in your life because you don't pray. But guys, don't miss this because it's not just about you. That means, as we're talking about praying for one another, there are things missing in the lives of the people you are in the trenches with because you're not praying. That's convicting. It's very convicting to me to know that there's friends in my life, to know that maybe one of my sons, to know that maybe Zoe or Danielle, that there's things that are not, there's maybe, there's maybe protection or provision that's not taking place in their life today because I'm missing the boat. I'm missing the boat. Others don't have because you don't ask. Now, again, what if, what if my prayers don't work? What if they're not effective toward causing change in a person? What if the person fails? Guys, check this out. Jesus prayed for Peter before he denied Jesus. It says this, Luke 22, 31 to 32. I think I gave you guys this, Yeah. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Guys, this is incredibly potent. Jesus was praying for Peter that his faith wouldn't fail. He knew his faith was going to fail. Now, sometimes in believing about the sovereignty of God or maybe you just think, you're fatalistic. Well, just whatever happens is going to happen. It's like, well, no good in praying if God's sovereign or if things are just going to happen. Why even pray? Jesus did not believe that. Jesus knew that Peter was about to deny him, and Jesus himself still prayed for Peter because he knew the power of prayer. He knew it was just the pattern of his life. He prayed. But the second part shows that. Actually, in his omniscience, knowing everything, he knew what Peter was going to do. Because he said, I'm praying that your faith may not fail. Basically, he's saying the faith, and we, we talk about in this book of Mark, repent and believe in the gospel. Our faith, that we believe in God, that that repentance and, and uh, belief would not fail. But he says, but when it fails, basically. When you have turned, when when you fail and you've repented, strengthen your brothers and sisters. That's the prayer that he was praying. And so that right there is in a tremendous way to pray for one another. And say, God, I pray. I pray for my, my friend. I pray for my mom. I pray for my dad. I pray for, pray for my colleague. I pray for this person, my, my small group leader. I pray, Lord, that their faith will not fail. But when their faith fails, God, and when they repent and they turn again, May you use that May you use even that failure through them to strengthen those that are around them. Now that begs a question. It's like, what, what did Jesus expect? He expected that when Peter failed, that he would repent and turn and turn back to him, which he did. But that also means and this, this tells us, and gives us some clues about community and how it's supposed to work, that when we fail, that we're quick to be folks that reveal. I, you don 't reveal everything you don 't reveal you don 't throw out vomit up everything that you 've done and every sin that you 've done to the people that are around you, but we would be a people by which we 're transparent by which we 're saying you know here 's where I fail here is where problems are in my life here 's something that happened last week or last month where i failed and how god is has changed me and here 's where how the gospel is speaking to this and man i 'm just i 'm revealing it to you you know i 'm sharing it with you with the people that you 're in the trenches with that we do this that we that we repent um, james five sixteen in this big passage that talks about um, praying over people that they would be healed physically there 's something there 's something a little bit more at the tail end of this where it says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it 's working so so it 's saying that that There's a part of our confession, our transparency with one another to be able to say, you know what, not only don't I have it all together, here's where I failed last week. And here's what God's teaching me in that. And that as we confess our frailties, as we're transparent with one another, that that is a part of the healing that God gives to us as we do. So prayers for one another. Um, our, um, Our core values here at Sojourn, you guys know, Or three things, tell me. Awesome, Jesus Community Mission. Everybody say that. Okay, so as as people in sojourn, if we say those are our core values as we're praying for one another, the people in the trenches, they could be broadly in those headings, all right, to be able to say, I want to pray for that person in their life with Christ. I want to pray for that person with where they are in community. And I want to pray for that person in their life as a missionary. Right, So in Jesus, community, and mission. Um, what I want to do is I, wanna, there's, I have a bunch of scriptures, and this may be, if, we, if God tells us to go further with this, this is where I'll go is in some of these scriptures that, that Paul especially is, is praying for other Christians and some of the teaching that comes from that and how they deal with the areas of Jesus, community, and mission. Um, I want to give you one and walk through it really quickly, just to, just to show you an example of how the Bible tells us to pray for one another. This is Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 23. And let me just read this, read this to you guys. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Okay? So stop right there. He's saying this group of people at this time in his life. Uh, I mean it may not be that it may, may not have been that way for all of his life, but at this point in his life, these folks in the the where he planted the church in Ephesus. He's saying, "Look, I'm daily praying for you. I'm praying for you every day. And this is what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation" Not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All Now, this right here was a prayer of wisdom and enlightenment um, for them, according to who Christ is and what Christ has done for them. And he's saying, I'm praying for a spirit of wisdom. I'm praying for wisdom for you. I'm praying that God will reveal things to you, that you'll have a greater knowledge of him, that your hearts would be enlightened. Um, And in fact, as we break up in a little while, this is a great um, scripture uh, you guys who will be leading, that there may be an appropriate time in here that you pray and just allow that to be a springboard by which you're praying for the folks that are in the group uh, that you're in and just kind of walking through. Through this, Um, I'll give you some some of the other passages if you if you just want to take notes um, for them later of some other passages uh, that are strategic in how to pray for one another. Philippians one nine through eleven, Philippians one nine through eleven, Second Thessalonians one eleven, Colossians one nine. Actually, Colossians one nine to fourteen. And Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. I'll say them real quickly in case you're taking notes. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. 2 Thessalonians 1, 11, Colossians 1, 9 to 14. And Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And I'll, uh, I'll kind of give you the rest of the story without giving you the story. The, the Ephesians 3 passage, that's what the video was uh, that played before we started, uh, was straight from that prayer and what he said, starting in, verse, uh, starting in chapter 4, is as a result of that, as a result of praying specifically, strategically, biblically for one another, he ended up saying in, in Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, he, says, he said, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now that last little part right there says, is telling us that when we dig in in prayer with one another, that what that does, it helps us to know how to bear with one another. It shows us and gives us a catalyst for maintaining the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace that we have together. Um... What I want to do is I want, I want to I want to give you a couple of examples, just even from last night um, as because the people that you need to be praying for um, it needs to be your family on a daily basis. you need to be praying for your immediate family and and what i 'm encouraging you is you need to also on a daily basis be praying for those that are in the trenches with you and it 's probably going to be around twelve around twelve ish people you know um, uh, not, to, not Not a legalistic number by any means, but but there 's a, a, a number of people that that God is going to have you is going to challenge you to pray for. Um, I mean, just think Jesus was daily with twelve disciples, he probably prayed for those twelve daily and so my question to you is to use that that term, that number loosely, twelve who are your twelve? who are the people with your family? And those that God's called you to be in the trenches with. Those that are in a group with you. Who are those that God has called you to pray for? And what I want you to do is I want you to take this challenge seriously. And and I'd like to see us to to ramp things up to where we say, all right, during the work week or during the school week, five days a week, that I'm both going to pray for these people daily and I'm going to ping them daily. right, Um, the the church, the early church has some descriptions, not prescriptions, but descriptions of how they gathered daily. All and And we'd be hard pressed to say that that's God's pattern is that all the Christians are supposed to gather every day. That's that would be prescription. But descriptively, what it was is that the body of Christ was connected daily. Now, what could that mean for us? What if five days a week, what if the work week and, and, the, and the school week, what if you identified this small group of people that you started praying for daily, and, and whether it's by text or, or by email or you pick up the phone or maybe you see each other at lunch every once in a while, but on a daily basis in some way that you're just encouraging them to just say, man, I just prayed for you. Or to say, I'm just about to pray for you. What can I specifically pray for? I mean, how would your life change if five days a week that you were hearing from not just one, but if it's a group of people, you're hearing from multiple people that they're praying for you? How would that how would that change your outlook? How would that change your confidence? How would that change you to where you're like, man, maybe, maybe I will actually, through the prayers of others, have the wisdom and the courage to live out the life that I'm supposed to today. I'm telling you, it will change us if we will... If we'll ramp up, um, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to read all of these, but um, just give you a couple of examples. Um, um, just even from um, uh, Danielle and I la- last night, praying, um, praying for one another specifically, and praying for our kids specifically. This is from the book called "The Power of a Praying Parents." And um, so those of y'all who are parents, I'd recommend that you get this resource, The Power of a Praying Parent. And this was the prayer. It was specifically around honoring kids honoring parents and resisting rebellion. And it said this. It said, Lord, I pray that you would give, name of child, so we, we, named, we, we prayed for Blake, JP, Cross, Zoe, that you would give them a heart that desires to obey you, put into them a longing to spend time with you, in your word and in prayer, listening for your voice, shine your light upon any secret or unseen rebellion that is taking root in her his or his heart or her heart, so that it can be identified and destroyed. Lord, I pray that he or she will not be given, will not give himself over to pride, to selfishness and rebellion, but that he would be delivered from it by the authority of you've given me in Jesus' name, I stand against the wiles of the devil, and I resist idolatry, rebellion, stubbornness, and disrespect. They will have no part in my son's my daughter's life, nor will my child walk a path of destruction and death because of them. And we prayed that, and then that became a springboard by which we prayed other things in that vein for our kids. The prayer that That Danielle prayed over me was under the topic of my sexuality. The prayer that I prayed over Danielle was over her emotions. Very strategic in the way that we're praying. Um, Another another example, uh, another great resource that I recommend you get is uh, called Everyday Prayers for a Transformed Life by Scotty Smith. And this was yesterday, September 15, about Jesus opening our minds. And it said, uh, here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, I've always considered myself to be pretty open-minded, yet as I meditate on this remarkable scene in Luke's gospel, I realize I'm not nearly as open-minded as you intend. For myself and for my friends, I ask, help us to see you everywhere in the Bible, Jesus. Enable us to read the Law of Moses, the Prophets, the Psalms with you clearly in view. For years I thought of the law only as a bunch of rules and principles by which I could earn God's favor and blessings or at least micromanage my life for greater success. Now I understand that the law was given to drive us to you, Jesus. It was never given as a basis of my acceptance with God. You have fulfilled the law for us by your perfect obedience and you've exhausted its judgment by your death on the cross. I wish I'd understood this earlier in my walk with you. I used to read the prophets with a fear of judgment and great intrigue about the future of Israel. Now I realize that all of God's promises point to you, Jesus. You are the yes and amen to every promise God has made. The gospel of your kingdom claims the entire cosmos, not just the Middle East, not just Jerusalem, but the New Jerusalem as well. I've always loved the Psalms, but until recent years, I've read them more with an appreciation for David than with adoration for you, Jesus. But you're the king installed by your father, the one who inherits the nations and the ends of the earth. Indeed, Jesus, continue to open our minds to understanding how the entire Bible is a revelation of the gospel, the story of God's commitment to redeem his people and restore the world by you and through us. Show us more of you and our place in your story. We pray in your peerless name. Amen. Now, that's a great resource there in praying for yourself, but also in applying it to the people that you're in the trenches with to say, man, God, do this in us of opening our minds further to who to who you are, and so those are just some examples of some some resources that will help. They'll help you. They'll they'll both kickstart you, but they'll also to tutor you uh, as well. I mean, I it's just been in the last weeks, last few weeks, about a month ago that I started getting into some of these resources like I had years ago, and I think it's just been out of pride because I'm like, God, I don't need. I don't need to be, I don't need others' prayers. I don't need to be tutored anymore. And God just said, yeah, you do today. You got a lot to learn. And so these, these people are being tutors uh, in my life uh, to help me in praying for, for my family and for praying for, for you guys. Here's what I want to do. I, um, I used up more time than, than I thought, uh, so we'll, we'll take about 10 minutes uh, for this rather than the, the 15 minutes that I'd planned uh, before, but what we're going to do is, we're going to take time uh, to to get into some small groups and to pray over one another. And um, what what we'll do is is um, is I'm recommending that that you press into the micro level of those that are in your group. Um, that this is not the time to pray for pray for the world, to pray for missions. This is not the time necessarily to pray for Aunt Betty, um, but for us to pray for one another. And that means that we reveal to one another, this is where I need help. This is where I need some assistance. Uh, this is something great that's happened that I want to praise God for, um, but something that's close to you. A- you can pray for, bring up Aunt Betty if you're walking close to Aunt Betty, and, and what you're walking with her affects you greatly, but but don't. Don't go. Uh, don't just try to make it about somebody else today.